Afternoon, Taos. You're listening to KNCE 93.5 FM, True Taos Radio. I'm Julia Day, here with a very special show we've put together for you this afternoon on the Abeta Settlement and its current implementations here in Taos Valley. And we thank you all for tuning in. This informational special is in response to this week's action on Highway 64. The protest that we saw happen stems from a long-running dispute between grassroots protesters who have taken issue with the ways in which the Abeda water rights settlement has been enforced and the companies hired to extract water from deep wells for proposed developments in the area off US 64 West. On this show today, we're going to be talking to a pretty incredible lineup of people, water protectors Mike Davis and Stephen Romero to start off with. And we're going to talk to Vice President of the Taos Valley Asakia Association, Sam Desgeorges. We're going to talk to Commissioner of the Asequia Madre de Rio Lucero y Arroyo Seco, Chris Peeper. And finally, we're going to be reading statements that actually just came in from the Director of Communications at the New Mexico Environment Department. For the next couple of minutes, I'm going to give you all a little bit of an overview of the Abeda settlement. As you know, there's been a lot of buzz about it, especially this week in response to the action and the protest that happened over the course of several days earlier this week. But for folks who don't know, the Abeda settlement is a complex water sharing agreement among the major water users in the Taos Valley, including the town of Taos, Taos Pueblo, El Prado Water and Sanitation District, the Taos Valley Asequia Association, and 12 Taos area mutual domestic water associations. Taos is a desert and prone to drought, and this agreement was put together as a solution to arguments over water in Taos Valley. It took more than 23 years of negotiations, and the Abeda Water Rights Settlement was finally worked out. To reach an accord, the parties involved came up with creative ways to shuffle water around from the stream bed to 1,000 feet underground, from 1,000 feet underground back to the surface, and from west to east across the Continental Divide, all in effort to keep everyone from Arroyo Seco to El Paso provided with enough water. A draft of the Abeda settlement was finished in 2006 and sent to Washington, D.C. for authorization and funding. Congress approved a bill that included the Abeda settlement in 2008. It was signed by President Barack Obama a week later. In the early 1970s, the New Mexico office of the state engineer had calculated who owned what in terms of water in the Taos Valley. However, because the Pueblo's water rights are federally administered, it wasn't easy to quantify the tribe's claims. New Mexico water law considers Pueblo's water claim an aboriginal right. As such, the Pueblo could essentially assert a right to all of the water coming from the Rio Lucero and Rio Pueblo to Taos, leaving other users downstream dry. So rather than suffer through unending and expensive litigation to sort things out between the Pueblo and its non-Indian neighbors, the Taos Valley Asequia Association sent a letter to Taos Pueblo in 1989 proposing a negotiation. The Pueblo agreed, hoping to avoid the uncertainty of a lawsuit. 
The basic purpose of the negotiations was to convince the Pueblo to refrain from demanding its full water rights. In return, other parties would make concessions that would protect the interests of the tribe. The resulting Abeta settlement sets up a way for the Pueblo to acquire additional rights to fulfill its claim without jeopardizing nearby water users. For Taos Pueblo, one of the most important benefits of the settlement is the protection of its buffalo pasture, a wetlands area near the village that has cultural and religious significance to the tribe. During negotiations, the Pueblo insisted that the town of Taos and El Prado Water and Sanitation District move existing water wells, which the Pueblo believed were depleting the buffalo pasture. The town agreed to limit pumping at wells near the wetlands and was allocated $16.8 million to drill five additional wells elsewhere sometime in the future. In turn, El Prado Water and Sanitation District agreed to phase out one of its wells near the Pueblo boundary and limit production on another. To make up the difference, El Prado Water and Sanitation District got $15.6 million to drill two new wells off US-64. A pipeline would be built to carry the water more than four miles from the new wells on the Mesa to El Prado water users. The district would also get $2 million from the state to buy additional water rights. Through the terms of the settlement, additional deep wells were to be drilled along the banks of the Rio Grande del Rancho, Rio Chiquito, and Rio Hondo, as well as in town. These so-called mitigation wells will pump the deep aquifer in order to put water back into the rivers and ditches that are usually fed by a shallow aquifer below the Taos Valley. These special mitigation wells were proposed as a solution to the concern that, as Taos grows, the new wells and growing demand will pump more water from the shallow depths. The added pumping would potentially drain the shallow aquifer and reduce the flow of streams below the wells. It was asserted at the time that this deep aquifer could be used by acequias to supplement surface water supplies. In a few cases, the mitigation wells will be tied to domestic water systems to add to their water pumping capabilities. If you've just tuned in, this is KNCE Taos 93.5 FM, True Taos Radio. We just did an overview of the basics of the Abeda water rights settlement that we're going to be talking about on this show. In recent years, some locals have expressed immense concern about the implementation of these so-called creative solutions written into the Abeda settlement. There's concern about the uncertain effects of using fossil, also called deep aquifer water, the same way we've been using surface water for generations. And the big question is, can fossil water be safely used for everyday practical use? In light of that uncertainty, a water pipeline slated for crossing under US 64 west of Taos drew a small group of nonviolent protesters earlier this week, and they are the first people we're going to be talking to this afternoon. So thank you for tuning in to KNCE Taos 93.5 FM, True Taos Radio. I'm Julia Day here with the Abeda Water Rights Settlement informational special that we're doing here on KNCE. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Stay tuned for some interviews that we're going to be doing coming right up. You're tuned to KNCE Taos 93.5 FM, True Taos Radio. This is the KNCE informational special on the Abeda Water Rights Settlement. 
On the phone right now, we have water protectors Mike Davis and Stephen Romero, who were a part of the action that happened just down the road from us on Highway 64. Mike and Stephen, welcome to KNCE. Thank you, Julia. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. So I want to I wanna start off by just giving our listeners a little bit more information. What is the construction project going on off Highway 64, pretty close to where the station is right now? Right. So a, few, a couple years ago, they drilled that big well. That was the site where Buck Johnston, um, a Diné activist local, um, went to the top of the rig. And the, we had the camp to support him, and he stayed up there for four, ta- four days. And, and then um, they also, then the uh, last, the end of 2019, about a year and a few months ago, they, they drilled the well on the other side of the 64, going a little bit further east towards town. And so now what they're doing is they're putting a giant pipeline under the, the highway, under the 64, to connect those two wells and then to bring that water from those two wells up to up into El Prado for development. And these are very high-capacity wells that are uh, pump 1,000 gallons a minute. So, Mike, um, just for clarification, are these supply wells or mitigation wells? Do you know? These are supply wells for the de- for major development in in El Prado, and it is it is the because it, the the specifics of the Abeda settlement, um, and which is law and signed off even by the federal government, state that they have to make these mitigation wells, which we they don't they haven't made yet, but they're they're coming, and those are to mitigate against the drought drought and the impacts of drought and global warming and the impacts of over-harvesting water for the development in El Prado with these supply wells. Right. Okay, so what were the water protectors disagreeing with about these supply wells? Well, there, there's many issues involved, but they want to do all this unsustainable development in El Prado, and they're making housing developments, and, and we have there's tons of, tons of housing houses you know, structures that are abandoned, a huge amount in that are, are not being used within the county and in Taos. And they want to make all this other housing, which is going to be only for wealthy people and for corporations who are only who are paying their workers minimum wage. So we this is a, a big problem. And we were very concerned about unsustainable development. That which could not only you know which is going to affect the whole culture and way of life here in Taos. So that's in interesting. To, so you're you're you guys are particularly concerned about the development side of things. So there are many things that happen when a community expands um, as quickly as Taos is expanding. Why, of all of the things that happen during an expansion process, why target the Abeda settlement? I'm curious about that. Well, because it's, it's, it's more than just, we're more than concerned about just the development. Also, we're concerned about protecting the earth and the watershed and the animals and the, all the life in Taos and the future generations that, are gonna, that li- will be living here. And we're concerned about, um, we want to also respect and protect the Taos Pueblo as a, the, the original inhabitants, the First Nation, that we're all living on their land. And they are still have their culture intact, their language, their doings, and sure. a huge development changing this to like a Santa Fe uh, area will can would, might really disrupt what they're doing and their culture. 
but but I I'm personally am very concerned about the the impacts on the water and the ecosystems and Mother Nature here in in this in the valley because these the mitigation wells that they're that they are going to make to mitigate against drought and the lo- possible lowering of the water table due, in, due to the over-harvesting of water for the development, these mitigation wells are going into the lower aquifer to pump up water that's full of all kinds of chemicals, radon, uranium, fluoride, and arsenic, other things, and they want to filter this water and then put it back into acequias and rivers to send down river because of the loss of water going down river because of the you know, this over-harvesting causing the water table to drop. They're messing with the web of life, the sacred hoop of life, by going deep into the lower aquifer to pump up water to add back to rivers and streams. That seems completely against nature and, and unwise. Sure, sure. And of course, that deep aquifer water, which is also called fossil water, has been there in some cases for thousands of years, and it's also slower moving. That um, water would probably not reach the surface for millions of years. It's a huge, it's a process. We don't even understand how that lower water reaches the surface to the level where you can just drink out of the ground. I want to get specific here. The Taos water protectors aren't necessarily asking that this entire settlement be thrown out. They're asking specifically for certain parts of it be re-examined. Correct. Yes, exactly. Because we understand that there are very... There are parts of the settlement that are are very important. What I mentioned before, that the acknowledgement of that Taos Pueblo is the first nation. This is their land we all live upon, and that this is their water. And thanks, gratitude to to them for letting us live here Mm -hmm. and sharing the water. So that part that affirms their rights, first rights, is, uh, is crucial, and that also then affirms the rights of the other communities that live here to have water. That's wonderful, and that's a long history in, in the making and through all the, the colonial and conquistador and colonial period and, and then the whole cowboy era with, you know, it's, it's, uh, there have been a lot of disputes over land and water rights, and so it, it was many decades in the making through the 20th century for them to come to that, that point, and so I, there are good parts about it, obviously. Everyone needs water, water is life, but mm-hmm. this Somehow, I think water privatization interests in the in the government corporations have got their hands involved in ways we don't even know yet. But that they they uh, that they are you know wanting to make these mitigation wells. Mm-hmm. This is the part that's really is a red flag for us. And then the overt unsustainable development. I've I've heard that speculation a lot. I guess we don't. There's no way to know for sure. But the points you make about the uncertainty around the environmental impact and the fact that, yes, this, this settlement does protect the sacred buffalo pasture of Taos Pueblo and acknowledges them as the people who were here first and this is their land. But yes, the parts that are questionable, of course, are the parts that um, seem maybe unnatural. And in preparation for this show, I talked to a couple of hydrogeologists, and they talked about the concerns around using fossil water for everyday use. So I think that is valid for sure. So we only have a few minutes. Uh, Are you still there? Can I say something else? Um, Yeah, absolutely. there's, There's talk about them using reverse osmosis machines, huge ones, to filter that fossil water, but we've 
learn that reverse osmosis machines, only 10% of it is, is filtered. So what happens that's good waters or reverse osmosis? Not that that belongs in rivers either. But what happens to the other 90% of the, the wastewater full of the toxicity? Is that going to go into the rivers or into the land and then seep into the rivers? So it's a real big issue. We'd, we, we'd, like to fight, we'd like to organize our community to get legislation passed to give the water rights, um, legal mm-hmm. rights, legal protection, like the Maori nation did in New Zealand and like was done in Bolivia, giving Mother Earth and the water legal status, legal rights, so then we could use that to maybe that might be a tool to protect protect the water going forward. What do you think of, I mean, I've heard all kinds of proposed solutions, people saying, um, what if we come up with a filtration system? What if we support the folks in charge of municipal water in that? Is that something that you guys would be interested in? Or are you, are you wanting to go in a different direction? Well, I... I, I guess I, I need to learn more about it. I don't want to speak about stuff I don't know about. I do know that we, we went, uh, when they drilled that second well a year and a half ago, and we had the encampment, and we went to, the, they had the NEPA meeting, the National Environmental Protection Act meetings, and we were we demanded a uh, comprehensive environmental impact study, and that hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to, you know, just address the, the main issues there are a lot of issues, and I think the community needs to come to the table. And um, when I think if people more and more realize what what this is actually going to entail, they're going to be really against it. The implementation of the beta settlement, or at least this part of it, yeah. So we've heard what your requests are. Is is there a way if if people want to get in touch with you, Mike? If people want to become involved with the Taos Water Protectors, how do they do that? Well, we're pretty, we're grassroots and pretty loose knit, and we're all you know individuals that are concerned. So I, right now, we're we're using the medium, the forum of uh, Guardians of Taos Water on Facebook. Guardians of Taos Water. We're not. We're not. We're not. They're they're a, uh, their own entity. We're not part of them, but they, but we're using that forum as a public forum. A lot of people are speaking on it now, so it's a good way to get information. Right now, we're not. Trying to, we're we're asking for the community to stand with us and help us out and support. We're not asking, trying to raise money or ask for donations or anything like that. We're just we're trying to get the community involvement, get people involved because of this this situation. And I want to say also that um, they the sheriffs were really heavy-handed with us the other days, and they they deceived us and told us that we had a right to peacefully protest so long as we didn't trespass on private property, so long as we didn't block the, the road and and so long as we were nonviolent and lawful and we we were all of those things we we did not trespass we were nonviolent and lawful and they threw us out of there with a huge show of force mm. and uh cement barricades just the other night and uh on uh on wednesday and um on wednesday um john painter the head of el prado water and sanitation actually rammed me with his car used it as a lethal weapon, attempting to pin me between his car and the metal gate. And he, he hurt my knee. I was able to get out of the way and not get pinned. But an elder uh, from the Cheyenne, Southern Cheyenne Nation named Donnie Beartrack is now been, uh, he was transport. he suffered a uh, heart, uh, heart problem. He had a heart condition and the stress caused him to have some sort of heart 
used to come up that caused him death. They brought him to um, Holy Cross, and now he's been transported to Santa Fe. So we're asking everyone to keep him in their prayers. Wow. And I want to also add that when after John Painter rammed me, uh, I called 911, and they never came. And an hour and a half later, or hour and 20 minutes later, factually, uh, they, a sheriff showed up, and, and one, of the, one of our uh, allies, a water protector, went and spoke with him, and he finally called an ambulance then. So they took them wow. an, over an hour and a half for the ambulance to arrive. And that sheriff informed us that he came because the workers had said that we were blocking the road. So when I called to say that I, my knee was injured and an elder was suffering, now um, his heart was racing and having anxiety because of getting rammed by a vehicle, they didn't even come. And it was only when, when, the, when the workers called to say we had been blocking the road, which wasn't even true, that they showed up. And they, throughout this whole four days of the encampment, we were told by the sheriffs and the workers that we were being filmed constantly. Everything was being recorded. But when the sheriff asked the workers for the recording of the incident with John Painter, they said their camera had been turned off at that time. Wow. Luckily, one of our water protectors filmed the, the, the end of that, that um, uh, happening. Yeah, that Mike, that, and, that, uh, is, that is very concerning. And I, I really hope that, you know, everybody, especially, especially the water protector who's in the hospital right now, I really hope he comes out very healthy and well in the end. We definitely, I yeah. want to put Stephen on while we, while, we, while we have time. Sure, we have okay. about one more minute, so why don't we get him on, on the line, too? Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Hello, everybody. Hi, Stephen. Just want, to say, just want to say that our resources are precious. Our water, the land, you know, sometimes we take water for granted. We turn on the faucet. You know, we take our showers, we do whatever, but we got to real, really think about where the water comes from. You know, a uh, long time ago, you know, a lot of people had to haul water and everything. Now it just comes up through a pipe and we're, you know, we're really, you know, lucky to have that. And sometimes we don't appreciate the things that we have. And it's kind of hard for the community because some of them are unaware. Some of them are scared to reach out. And, you know, it's, it's our Fifth Amendment to say what we want, what we think, and to put a voice to help protect the land and the water. And I just want everybody out there to know to lift up some prayers, you know, for all the water protectors all over the world who are fighting against, you know, pipelines, fighting against the government, fighting against their own people. Now's the time that we need to be in unity to stand up together and make a change. Not using negativity, but using positive energies, because this uh, world needs a change. And um, I'm just happy that, you know, what brothers and sisters showed up. And, you know, the law enforcement was truly on the corporation side. They said that they were for the people, but they showed us that, you know, there's, you know, once money's involved in power, you know, they showed their true side, so... I'm very disappointed in the sheriff, the sheriff's uh, department, and I, it just shows me that I can't really completely trust them at all. And if you have any confrontations with them, if you have a phone, turn on the recorder, videotape it, because uh, right now we cannot trust our law enforcement. But I just want to lift up each and every everyone out there, 
you know, we're because of our skin color, it has nothing to do with that. We're all, you know, we all bleed red, we all drink water, and we're all here living to make a better time on Earth together. And um, thank you for letting us be able to be on here to let everybody know what's going on. Thank you, Stephen. Like a lot of peace, love, and healing energies out to everybody, to our Mother Earth, to our water, to our resources. Because all in all, we don't own the water. The water is here for all of us, humanity, and for the animals. And we need to respect that and protect it. Thank you. That's the voice of Stephen Romero. Stephen, thank you to you and Mike for coming on the show and for telling us a little bit more about what the water protectors are asking for with regards to the implementation of the Abeta Settlement, and we appreciate hearing from you. Next up, we're going to hear from Sam Desgeorges, the Vice President of the Taos Valley Asequia Association, so stay tuned for that interview, and we'll be back after this short break. Thanks so much for being with us on KNCE Taos 93.5 FM, True Taos Radio. I'm Julia Day. You're tuned into KNCE Taos 93.5 FM, True Taos Radio. I'm Julia Day here with our informational special on the Abeta Water Rights Settlement. The Abeta Settlement, once again, is a complex water-sharing agreement among the major water users in the Taos Valley, including the town of Taos, Taos Pueblo, El Prado Water and Sanitation District, the Taos Valley Asakia Association, and 12 Taos Area Mutual Domestic Water Associations. As many of you are very aware of, Taos is a desert and prone to drought, and this agreement was put together as a solution to arguments over water in Taos Valley. And to help us with the next segment of understanding and diving deeper into what this settlement is all about and what it means for the Taos Valley watershed and the people who live here, on the phone we have Sam Desgeorges. He is the Vice President of the Taos Valley Asequia Association. Sam, thank you so much for being with us on KNCE. Yes, good afternoon, Julie. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much. We're happy to have you. There's a lot of different kinds of information flying around. There's a lot of people concerned about the Abeta Settlement now that it's being implemented in ways that we can actually see every day. What would you say to start off with you feel are the primary misunderstandings about the Abeta Settlement? Well, I, I guess uh, the primary one is that um, a lot of our local residents are waking up at this point and, and uh, are shocked that the settlement um, is um, completed and that it's actually being implemented. Um, mm-hmm. So the, uh, you know, the, I think the misinformation that's out there about the settlement is that a lot of people um, haven't read the settlement. There's 95 pages of very complex uh, 
uh, efforts to uh, establish uh, who owns the, the the water rights in the Taos Valley and and how that water is to be used and and um, you know secondarily is how we are all going to get along into the future as as uh, water supplies may become diminished and as more people move into the Taos Valley. Can you detail for us how the Abeta settlement interacts with the acequias of Taos Valley? Well, as a as a board member on the Taos Valley Acequia Association, uh, the association represents over fifty uh, acequias in, in the Taos Valley, and these acequias, as we entered into negotiations with the uh, the other settlement parties. Uh, we're concerned with the, the loss of, of the tradition and the, the uh, certainly the use of water and acequias into the future. And so our, our primary interest was ensuring a uh, ensuring that these acequias would uh, would outlast us, that they would continue on into the future, and would assure that other uh, water rights owning parties would not impair our abilities to continue to use the acequias. So I want, I'm wondering if you can explain to our listeners why the need for these mitigation wells that are written into the settlement. Sure. As I, as I explain to um, a lot of people that I communicate with, is is the the mitigation wells are actually. Um, an idea that came up in the settlement that makes the acequias whole is the uh, groundwater and surface water is connected in our valley. And so as you look forward out, as you, you future the changes that will happen in, in the Taos Valley, as more people uh, move here, um, <clears throat> humans are relying on, on water. And so this, these, the future that we can't see yet is going to be very different with many people using water that is directly connected to the acequias, and so the the use of that water is certainly going to impair our flows into the future. As, as more straws go into the ground, um, that water directly uh, affects surface flows in the streams that affect the, the, um, the, the supply of the acequias. And so the, the mitigation wells are there to mitigate the impairment or the impact mm-hmm. uh, of users, other users uh, of the water system. And the way that they do that is by pumping up this kind of much deeper water um, into... That's right. It's, it's the the uh, mitigation wells are planned for uh, the deep subsurface layers. These are um, in the settlement. They're shown as layers five and six, which are over uh, a thousand feet deep and are directly connected to the Rio Grande. So, as the vice president of the Taos Valley Acequia Association, does that concern you at all? Because, I mean, from what I'm understanding and what I'm reading, that deep aquifer water has a different mineral content than the surface water that we're more used to using in everyday use. Well, and again, it really depends on where these wells are located. Mm-hmm. And so, you you know, it's really, you don't know what's down there until the, the drilling actually happens. 
Uh-huh. There's been a number of deep wells that have been drilled in the Taos Valley, which are part of the settlement model that uh, basically uh, let us know about where the water is and what, what its constituents are. So meaning depending on where the drilling happens, it, it could mean different, you know, di- the content, the, the water content is different. That's correct. Well, the different constituents, mineral constituents within that, that deep water. Okay, understood. Um, do you know if this mitigation well offset plan has ever been done before, to your knowledge? Um, you know, I'd be speaking off the, off the top. Um, um, uh, and again, is uh, <clears throat> we aren't water experts ourselves. Sure. And we, uh, we hire the services of hydrologists and others that, that help provide the science, the information, uh, that, that basically allows us um, to, to understand what it is uh, that we're going to be facing into the future. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if uh, this has happened in other locations. Um, but that's a good question. Sure, sure. What, what would you have to say, you know, as, some, as somebody who is very knowledgeable about this settlement, to locals now who are very concerned about its implementation, you know, now that we're seeing actual construction sites and things like that, what, what is something that you could relay to them about their concerns? Well, uh, the, uh, the agreement is between the water rights owning parties in, in the valley, and some of what you're seeing right now are uh, moving forward with commitments that each of the parties made to each other during the settlement. Yeah. Um, you know, El Prado and Water Sanitation District is moving their supply well out away from our, our neighbors on the Pueblo so as to limit the impact to the Buffalo pasture and to other water users on, on the Pueblo. So, so that's a project that is committed to in, in the settlement that is directly um, uh, influencing or, or at least diminishing the influence that that uh, their present wells and that system has on our neighbors. I'm going to pull up maybe a couple of questions from some listeners right now. I'm curious if you know about this water pipeline that is being constructed under Highway 64. Anything about that? That's that's kind of what stirred up all this buzz this week, and I'm curious if you have more information about it. Uh, you know, that is not really a mit- mitigation well project. Sure. Um, and so I, I really don't have a lot of information on that other than uh, in the settlement, as I, as I just relayed earlier, this is a commitment from El Prado Water and Sanitation to uh, limit or uh, remove the potential for impacting and impairing um, water on, on the public. And what would you have to say to people who have water rights, have access to an acequia, who are concerned about the pumping of groundwater into their acequias that they use for agriculture and so on? Well, again, you know, at this point, um, the settlement wells are meant to pump into the stream systems to basically make those whole so that the acequias can continue to use the water as they have in the past. This is going to be, again, out in the future as more people move into the Taos Valley 
and these folks using uh, that water are, are going to definitely affect our ability to use our, our ezekias. And, and so this, this groundwater that's being pumped, again, it, it's going to have to be, it has to be tested. It's going to have to be um, water that, is, that, is, that will support uh, basically our agricultural uses in the valley. And so um, at this point, <clears throat> again, unless you're able to, to, to look <laughs> beneath us, and, and determine whether or not that water is suitable, is, we can't make that statement. Sure. It, it is um, until the well is drilled and then that, that quality is tested, um, we're not going to know. Do you, uh, is, that, is that concerning to you that we can't, that there's no real way to test the quality of that water until, you know, it's already, it's already drilled? Well, uh, there's been other wells that have drilled, and, and they have, uh, in, in fact, uh, some of the, uh, the wells, well, the well that was proposed in the Ranchos Valley, that location has been moved uh, because of data and information that, that resulted from a higher level of characterization of the groundwater in the Ranchos Valley. Uh, that report was done... Uh, by folks out of uh, New Mexico uh, Tech, and it showed that the, the previous location where it was uh, that was selected um, certainly would not meet uh, water quantity or water quality um, requirements, and and so that um, that has driven that science and that report has driven uh, the uh, that mitigation well. Um, to be uh, moved to a different location. So again, I, I think that you know at this point it is you know you if you let the science tell you where it should go, mm-hmm. um, all we have to do is be patient uh, with each other. In other words, we we can't foretell the future. Sure. And and certainly I understand that that uh, that people are concerned. Um, but the, those concerns, I think, will diminish as we move forward. Um, and Sam, I, I, I want—I also wanted to ask. I think there's there's a um, there's a lot of jumbled information about these mitigation wells, whether or not they'd be running all the time. Do they um, once they are built, will they be running all the time, or are they just going to run once in a while? Well, see the the, the mitigation wells. Um, Again, they they are meant to mitigate uh, lost lost water to the acequias, but some of these wells will also supplement existing mutual domestic um, systems. Okay, and, and so so they they're going to be used for two purposes. As far as the the, uh, the acequias, our desire is to have wells that that would supply our needs typically during the growing season. And uh, and it's it's typically you know during the the, the summer and we're pretty much all almost always done uh, irrigating by uh, September August September. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And um, for folks who just tuned in, I I want to um, just clarify. I'm talking to Sam Desgeorges. 
He is the vice president of the Taos Valley Asecki Association. Sam, where can people find out more info about the Taos Valley Asecki Association in particular? Um, you can um, certainly find us on, on the web. We have a, a website. Um, we do have a, an office that's lo- located in the Taos County uh, Agricultural uh, Center. Um, although due to, to COVID, uh, my advice would be to call the number on the website to assure that we're going to be there. And we're certainly always willing to, to talk to anyone. We invite anyone in to um, to have conversations about the settlement and, and particularly about uh, Taos Valley Asecki Association's role in the settlement and, and, uh, and what we know about it. And for folks who want to find out as much as they possibly can, do you have any online resources you can offer people for who want to who educate themselves about the Abeda settlement? Um, the, um, you know, what I would do is, um, is um, uh, Google the Taos Valley Water Rights um, uh, Settlement. And uh, so there is specific, you would have, you'd be guided specifically to the, uh, the settlement document, uh, which is 95 plus pages. Um, and, and actually the uh, location that I go to usually is to the, uh, the uh, Town of Taos um, Water Rights Settlement uh, website have the settlement document as well as all the exhibits and other attachments that are associated with it. All right. Well, that's a good resource. Thank you so much. And Sam, I think that's all the time we have for this segment. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Once again, we're talking to Sam Desgeorges, the vice president of the Taos Valley Asecki Association, about the Abeta settlement and rounding out our understanding of what's going on here in the Taos Valley watershed. Thank you so much, Sam. You bet. Thank you. My pleasure. You are tuned to KNCE Taos 93.5 FM, True Taos Radio. I'm Julia Day here with a radio special here on KNCE about the Abeda Water Rights Settlement, which is a complex water sharing agreement among the major water users in Taos Valley, including the town of Taos, Taos Pueblo, El Prado, Water and Sanitation District, the Taos Valley Asecki Association, and 12 Taos Area Mutual Domestic Water Associations. Taos is a desert and prone to drought, and this agreement was put together as a solution to possible disagreements, arguments, and litigation over the water in Taos Valley. To bring us into the next segment and to bring us more information, we have on the phone Chris Pieper, the commissioner of Asequia Madre del Rio Lucero y Arroyo Seco, on the phone with us. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on KNCE. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I'd like to just dive into a very interesting story about something that happened a couple years ago. Your Asequia Madre del Rio Lucero y Arroyo Seco voted a few years ago to not pay its membership dues to the Taos Valley Asequia Association as a protest over what you described as issues with transparency surrounding the Abeda settlement. 
This choice was effectively your Asekia's departure from the Taos Valley Asekia Association, um, whose vice president we actually just spoke to. Can you talk about that decision? For a number of years, we had expressed concerns to the Taos Valley Asekia Association um, about the, the lack of transparency um, because we felt that they were not representing our interests with regard to the ASR well. Um, we, on our own, did a lot of due diligence in investigating what the consequences of this well would mean for our Asekia community in Aloya Seco. And um, to our surprise, um, what we discovered was that uh, it would ultimately bankrupt our Asekia and um, none of this was disclosed to us by the attorney at the time, Rebecca Dempsey, who represented the uh, Taos Valley Executive Association and um, uh, the 55 other Asekias in the, in the Taos Valley. And, um, you know, we thoroughly investigated this. So the ASR um, stands for Aquifer Storage and Recovery. And uh, essentially, these wells are designed to inject surface water. In our case, it would be water diverted from the Rio Lucero um, into the ground during the um, times of the year when there was no demand for surface irrigation uh, during the winter in, in Taos. And then, in theory that water would be pumped out during irrigation season, during the summertime. And so uh, as we looked into this well, we found that um, the cost of operation, this includes electricity, it includes permitting, it includes insurance, it includes security, it includes um, the chemical treatment because... Anytime you inject surface water into the ground where people have um, wells, you have to treat that water with chlorine, and you also have to um, treat it chemically to adjust its pH. <clears throat> and um, the cost overall would be about $100,000 a year. We got that estimate from an engineering firm in Florida that specializes in these kinds of ASR wells. $100,000 for one Asekia? $100,000 a year. Wow. $100,000 a year. And the attorney from the Taos Valley Asekia Association uh, told us that we would have up to $120,000 of government money to assist us with those costs, and we kept asking what is up to hundred thousand dollars mean and we never got a definitive answer um, because that could mean a thousand dollars and did that was that money available in per perpetuity because you know we'd be stuck with this well for you know as as long as um, you know it was operating and, uh, and then additionally we looked at how so part of the ASR well proposal was to put in a 6,500-foot um, 
plastic pipeline, actually two pipelines, that would replace the uh, Pandug Lucero ditch that was um, established in 1815. And under New Mexico law and under federal law, um, that ditch has uh, a number of protections, has a historic ditch. And as soon as it would be replaced by these two plastic pipelines, it would be gone and that protection would go with it. And so um, we kept asking for clarification and we never got any. And ultimately, I um, contacted Bradley Bridgewater from the Department of Justice, who is kind of the, the lead for the Abeta settlement, and I asked him, I said, so if we choose not to apply for funding for this ASR project, will we lose any of our water rights? Because currently we're guaranteed 18% of the runoff from the Rio Lucero at the, the headgate mm-hmm. there at Lucero Canyon. And he said his reply to me was, no harm, no foul. And I asked for clarification. He wouldn't give it to me. He just said, no harm, no foul. So we interpreted that as meaning that we would lose none of our water rights, that we had this option, even though we were told that because it was written into the settlement, um, our only option was to apply for this funding and be stuck with this project that would, as I said, bankrupt our Secchia. Um very quickly on short order. You know, with $100,000 a year, we have a budget of maybe $10,000 a year. And so uh, we just did not feel that the Taos Valley Aseki Association at the time was really advocating for our interests. And um, they were more concerned with the implementation of the Abeta settlement. And this well was um, an important part of that. So based on based on what you just said, do you think that other Asequias stand to be bankrupted as well? Yes. And and not just from the monetary costs of these wells, but also ecologically. Because uh, a number of these mitigation wells and um you know I encourage people to do their own research and to verify everything I'm saying. Um, That these are deep wells, and so they're tapping into the deeper aquifer. And um, using that water for irrigation will damage soils in the long term. And each one of these mitigation wells has a pipeline that's attached to it, you know, proposed. You know, that's the plan their plan, Mm -hmm. Um, and those pipelines are to discharge this deep water into the river systems, each one of the river systems coming out of the mountains and eventually draining into the Rio Grande would have water discharged um, from these deep wells. And when you mix highly different water qualities, surface water tends to be more on the acidic side because of decomposition of organic matter and so forth, um, and very different mineral content. 
And then the deep water tends to be highly alkaline. And because we're in a volcanic rift zone uh, and this water is the, the fossil water, uh, it's been in the ground a long time, it tends to have, and not in every case, but most of the deep wells that were tested did have higher concentrations of arsenic, fluoride, some uranium, strontium, and that's just, you know, the heavy metals they tested for. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you use this water for irrigation, you're going to damage your soils forever. You, you can't you can't clean that up. And then um, to add that water to the stream, certainly will change their ecology and uh, in, a, in a very negative way. So, um, yes, I think every acequia that has one of these mitigation wells proposed should uh, fight it in every way that they can. And the way that we discovered to fight it was actually, it was no fight at all. We just took a vote and we voted not to apply for the federal fund to, um, to have the ASR well constructed. So there's a lot of there's a lot of concern, of course, about the the mineral content of the deep aquifer water, the fossil water, but there's also concerns about the depletion of the deep aquifer. Do you know anything about what the impact could be if we did start tapping into that deep aquifer, and what that could mean for our land in in this Taos Valley? Oh, that's a great question, and um, I don't think anybody can really accurately answer that question uh, because the hydrology in the Taos Valley is highly complicated and, you know, models have been done, but are those models really accurate? No. Um, With some of the most complicated geology in the world, um, it, it can't super accurately model what the impacts would be to these deep wells. And each well will create a cone of depression that can impact groundwater uh, for as far as five miles away. So just when the circular diameter around each of these wells, it can impact, you know, shallow wells for up to five miles away. And um, another impact can be as you maybe when they test, they might find good water. They might, you know, hit a pocket of, of good water and they say, okay, we've got good water. Well, as soon as they pump out that good water, then water from the surrounding you know, bedrock um, is going to drain into that. And eventually you're going to start pumping groundwater that has, you know, these, these toxic minerals in it. So, um, yeah, the, the impacts are, are very, very hard to predict, and um, it just it shouldn't be done. Who in our community would you say is, is, would be the most directly Im- impacted by um, the implementation of this settlement and this, you know, as, as, as it gets implemented? Did you ask who in the community would be impacted? Who, I guess who would, who would be, I guess, specifically most vulnerable to kind of the negative impacts that you're describing specifically? Well, um, in terms of humans, certainly um, 
people that are uh, irrigate with the secular water. Um, and then um, eventually, in the long term, um, people that have wells surrounding those mitigation wells, because uh, eventually mm-hmm. it will it will affect the shallow groundwater too. Um, of course, the deep aquifer and the shallow aquifer are connected, um, and uh, we don't know exactly how. But if you create these pockets deep down, of course, water from above will find a way to drain in. Um, so, and then. In terms of non-human life, it'll dramatically affect the riparian areas um, where the deep water is injected into those stream systems. And then uh, plant life will be affected where this water is used for irrigation. If that vegetation is uh, used for animal feed, um, you know, the fluoride and the arsenic actually will be taken up by the plants, and that can cause a number of health issues with, with livestock mm. um, or any of the vegetables that might be grown in that soil. Understood. You know, we have a listener who asked a question, a point of clarification, and actually I'm kind of hoping that I think that you could answer it better than I could. They're asking why we talk about this settlement with regards to water going from Arroyo Seco all the way to El Paso. Could you explain that for us? Like, why El Paso all the way in Texas? Um, so, here. So, they're asking... They're asking why, the why, we're, why we're talking about El Paso in a conversation about oh, the Taos Valley oh, watershed. Right. Oh, because of the Rio Grande Compact. That New Mexico, Texas, and Colorado... Um, all have agreements about how much water we can take out of the Rio Grande. And so um, Texas sued the state of New Mexico, and um, New Mexico lost. And so we have to, um, the terms of that settlement, require New Mexico to uh, release more water, to take less water from the Rio Grande. And so... Um, there is uh, no more surface water in the state of New Mexico. Um, I assume, and a lot of this is just conjecture, because we, we do lack a lot of important information, but um, I assume that in order to make up for the, um, the water that Texas needs, um, the plan is to pump some of that water from our aquifer. Instead of looking towards conservation and um, land restoration to provide that water, because there are alternatives to, of course, there are alternatives to drilling our aquifer. And um, if I if I could, I'd love to talk about that some too. Absolutely, and that was actually going to be the next question I was going to ask you because yeah. uh, I know you're a small a small farmer and. The Abeta settlement was supposed to be a solution to issues that face the Taos Valley. Can you offer other solutions? Because you seem to, as many people do, take issue with certain pieces of this settlement. Yes, that's my biggest issue with the settlement. 
is that out of the $140 million that was allotted for these wells, um, not a single penny was allotted for conservation or improvement to a secular infrastructure or to any kind of ecological restoration. And so we, we can call that the blue alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is nothing new, but um, just to provide you with an example, in 1999, a gentleman named Michael Kravick uh, stopped a large dam that was planned for the Torisa River in Slovakia. And um, he provided an alternative, and that was to focus on watershed restoration um, instead of putting in the dam. And by doing watershed restoration, um, in theory, uh, you would extend the irrigation system, uh, irrigation season, uh, you would mitigate flooding, and um, you would improve the health and diversity of the watershed, which pays dividends not just to wildlife, but of course to people too, and farmers, small farmers. Well, his project was approved, and it cost less than 20% of what the dam would have cost, and it has been very successful. Uh, Since uh, 1999, the Villagers um, from surrounding communities have put in uh, over 50,000 water retention features in the watershed, effectively slowing the water down. Mm. And the watershed has increased its discharge um, by over 30% from what it used to because it's retaining that moisture so much better. Um, and it just continues to improve. It just it's paying dividends every year to the people and to the wildlife and um, you know to the innumerable organisms that call that their home. And so you know here in Taos Valley, um, you know our our watersheds can use a lot of restoration work. Um, you know, and the science has been done on this. Uh, we can humans are needed in this equation. Humans can make an incredibly positive impact on the health of our watersheds. And uh, I know that Mark Schutz um, is working up in El Salto right now with the El Salto Alagua uh, Land Grant Association on doing some ecological restoration in the um, Canyoncito watershed. Um, And as far as soils go, if we focus on uh, restoring our soils, uh, we can make a massive impact on the um, retention of water in, in our soils. Um, for example, on our land, we've really focused on regenerating our pasture. Chris, we actually had a listener write in asking a question that is very related to what we were just talking about. They said, if population growth in the future impacts surface river flows, how would that water be replaced so that acequias are made whole? If if that portion of the Abeda Water Rights Settlement that you were proposing to change, how, how would the river flow be replaced if it needed to be? Well, I think 
think, uh, if I understand their, their question correctly, um, so... Essentially, I guess if there was depletion, with, I think. Yeah, if there's... So, a study was done at the University of Arizona about um, you know, watershed restoration. And, um, you know, if you increase the, um, the flow of our watersheds uh, by 10%, that's roughly 12,000 12, acre feet of water that our Asekia systems would have additional water that would be available for irrigation. And if you increase it another 10%, which is totally achievable, um, then you increase it uh, by another 12,000 acre feet. And that's a tremendous amount of water. Um, so... Um, I think that uh, if we can focus on that kind of restoration effort and use some of those funds to employ local people under the guidance of uh, watershed restoration experts like Mark Schutz and, and, and many others, um, every year we can actually get more water despite um, maybe drying conditions. And then also, everybody needs to remember that uh, the average precipitation in the Taos Valley is about 12 inches. Um, you know, up in a rice cycle of salt, though, it's, it's closer to 16 inches. Uh, 12 inches of precipitation equates to about 325,000 gallons of water that naturally falls on every acre in the Taos Valley every year. And um, if we can increase the water-holding capacity of our soils, which is totally achievable and um, has been done in many areas throughout the world, uh, then we can get to the point where we can rely less and less on surface water. Um, like in our field, um, we've been able to reduce the amount of Asequia flood irrigation water we use every summer from four irrigations to uh, two irrigations. So we've been able, just in less than five years, to decrease the amount of water we need by half. One thing that probably should be said is that the whole Abeta settlement was based on Aboriginal water rights. Mm -hmm. And before I discuss this, um, I want to make it clear that I think myself and many others consider the Pueblo people uh, and the Asequia communities as the original water protectors of this valley in particular, the, uh, the Pueblo. And there's nobody better qualified to protect our watersheds and our water uh, than these communities. With that said, uh, there was a court ruling, and I really encourage people to look this up. Um, back in, uh, I believe it was 2017, where a federal judge ruled that there are no Aboriginal water rights in New Mexico. 
And so there was a court case. Um, it was brought about on behalf of, um, I believe it was a Girl Scout ranch in um, the Jemez Valley, um, because there was a similar situation down there where Aboriginal water rights were claimed. And uh, they won in federal court. And this is not my opinion. This is the opinion of the federal judge that ruled in the case. I, I believe it was Judge Costco's. Um, and if people want more information on this, I, I'd be happy to to uh, send them the um, the court ruling, uh, the court case. But so we really need to question a lot of this settlement. Of uh, we were told as secular leaders that we needed to sign this settlement. And it was essentially under duress because if we didn't sign it, we would lose our water rights because uh, all the water rights in the valley would be given to Taos Pueblo. And uh, this fleet was just not accurate information. And um, so, uh, I mean, there's so many holes in this settlement. And the implications of moving forward with implementing these deep wells will have long-term ramifications to not just the Asekia communities, but to everybody living in this valley. There are ways that we can protect the water in this valley for as long as people are here. Now, thank you for responding to that question from one of our listeners. Um, we only have about a minute left, but would you be willing to offer some of our listeners resources or, or where they can go to find out more information, resources that you've found helpful, resources that you'd recommend to folks listening who would like to become more deeply acquainted and knowledgeable about the Abeda settlement and the issues that we've been discussing today. Sure. Um, people can go to our website, um, the Asequia Madre del Rio Lucio. Lucero y Arroyo Seco, and um, I think you can just type that in, and you'll find our website, uh, Anwar Kalin, um, one of our parciantes, who's been extremely active, um, put together the website, and um, much of the information that I've shared is on our website. And so, um, like our, the letter that we sent to the Bureau of Reclamation and the Department of Justice, um informing them that we had voted no um, on the deep well implementation and, you know, the funds for that. And uh, so they can certainly do that. And they, they can also um, uh, email me at, at uh, mudandflood at gmail.com. And, um, you know, I'll try to respond to as many of the emails as I can. Um, and, you know, they can also call me. Um, or come into the shop and um, and I'd be happy to spend some time. Great. Well, thank you so much, Chris. For folks who tuned in halfway through that, we have been talking to Chris Pieper, Commissioner of Asequia Madre del Rio Lucero y Arroyo Seco. Chris Pieper, thank you so much for joining us on KNCE today. Julia, thank you. You're an awesome uh, interviewer. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for doing this work. Okay. Thank you. I'm Julia Day here with the special that we're doing here on KNC about the Abeda Water Rights Settlement. Thank you once again to Mike Davis, Stephen Romero, Sam Desgeorges, and Chris Pieper for talking to us so far. For folks who are 
really hungry for more information, I also wanted to let you all know that the Taos News over the years has followed the negotiations about the Abeta settlement as well as the implementation of it. If you go to the taosnews.com and just type in Abeta Water Rights Settlement or Abeta, A-B-E-Y-T-A, you'll find a wealth of information and articles just outlining what's going on, what did go on before now, and all of that. I wanted to dive into the next segment, which is only going to be a few minutes long, but it's quite important because something came in right before we started this special, which is that I reached out to the Director of Communications at New Mexico Environment Department and asked her, um, her name is Maddie Hayden, several different questions which she kindly responded to through writing. So I'm just going to read those on air. And these questions, of course, address some of the concerns that I've heard around town and especially this past week about pumping deep aquifer water. So here is, here's the first question. Is fossil slash deep aquifer water potable? And the response was, Water from any groundwater source, whether it is a shallow or deep well, may contain contaminants. If any drinking water source contains contaminants, drinking water utilities have a variety of options to ensure the water delivered to customers meets regulatory standards, including treating the water, blending the source with a different water source to meet these standards, or discontinuing use of the water source. So that was their response from the New Mexico Environment Department. Second question, what are the contents of water from deep aquifer and how does its mineral content differ from that of surface water? The response is, in most cases, water from deep aquifers have higher concentrations of metals as well as total dissolved solids, also called TDS, has more of that than surface water or shallow aquifer sources. Question number three, also final question. If fossil water is pumped into local streams and acequias, how could it affect the quality of the soil? New Mexico Environment Department is not familiar with the characteristics of the groundwater subject to the Abeta settlement. In general, water with high concentrations of metals and TDS can move those contaminants to nearby soil if the water discharges to a stream. If that water is used in land use applications such as agriculture, these contaminants may be deposited and then accumulate in the soil. So those were the written responses from the Director of Communications at the New Mexico Environment Department. And for folks who tuned in late or tuned in in the middle, once again, this is the informational special that we're doing here on KNCE regarding the Abeta Water Rights Settlement, which was nearly three decades of negotiations here among several different parties in Taos Valley. It's a complex water sharing agreement among the major water users in the Taos Valley, including the town of Taos, Taos Pueblo, El Prado, Water and Sanitation District, the Taos Valley Acequia Association, and 12 Taos Area Mutual Domestic Associations. What catalyzed these negotiations and this settlement was 
Of course, Taos is a desert and prone to drought, and the settlement was put together as a solution to potential arguments or even litigation over the water in Taos Valley. So I highly recommend folks do their own research. Obviously, there's an enormous amount of information out there. I personally would love to do a follow-up episode talking to hopefully a hydrogeologist. I was lucky enough to get to talk to a few hydrogeologists leading up to this show, but was not able to find one who wanted to speak on air with me today. But I'm hoping that will change. So that is something I would very much like to see happen in a future show. For folks who want to learn more about the people we spoke to today, go to the website for the Taos Valley Asequia Association or look up the Asequia Madre del Rio Lucero y Arroyo Seco. And once again, Thank you to water protectors Mike Davis and Stephen Romero, Vice President of the Taos Valley Asequia Association, Sam Desgeorges, Commissioner of Asequia Madre del Rio Lucero y Arroyo Seco, Chris Pieper, and Maddie Hayden, who's the Director of Communications at the New Mexico Environment Department. We appreciate all the different perspectives we've gotten today and the wealth of information that you all have relayed. It's a complex issue. I highly recommend that our listeners do as much research as you can with this important and complex issue of the Abeda Water Rights Settlement. I'm Julia Day, and thank you so much for being with us today on KNCE Taos 93.5 FM, True Taos Radio.